What do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. Hi, and welcome to the Rock Podcast. In this study from Isaiah chapter 43, guest speaker Alan Haley discusses the challenge of forgetting the past and looking forward in faith. Here now is Alan with a message entitled, A New Thing. Well, you know, as I was scrambling around this afternoon, I couldn't find my Bible. Go figure. So I got my backup Bible. Got to always have a backup Bible. All right? So my backup Bible is going to work for me tonight, but before we get started and we take a look at the scripture, I'd like to share a little story with you, because my ki- and this is, it, is a story that my kids love to tell about me. When I was a little boy, the movie The Birds came out, okay, <laughs> you're already laughing, <laughs> I, got, I got some people that I can identify with me. Well, the movie The Birds came out, and I must have been you know, seven or eight, just, you know, I I can't even remember exactly how old I was, but that movie just left a huge traumatic impression on me. (laughs) And the next morning, at that time in my life, I had to go out and do a paper route. (laughs) So this is springtime, and I'm on my bike the next morning trying to you know, process through what I had just seen the night before. I mean, and, and if you remember the birds, those of you that are, you know, it was, it was probably the most scariest movie that it came out, and it looked real. And so here I am, tooling along on my bike, throwing my papers, and all of a sudden, woof, here comes a bird flying down on me. A sh- sheer panic went up in, through my body. I got my paper out, and another one, foo, comes down. And I'm swinging my paper, and I'm falling off the bike, and I'm getting back up, and here's these blackbirds diving at me. I ride all the way home, and I'm just sweating, and I'm crying, and I just can't believe what had happened. And, and to this day, when I walk around blackbirds on a wire a certain level of panic goes up inside of me. You know, a certain level of panic. It's things that happen back in the past sometimes do have an impact on us, don't they? Yeah. Sometimes some of the things that we go through in the past really do keep us from experiencing what God wants us to experience the here and now and in the future. And this is just an example, a a simple example of that. But there's lots of things that we experience. Big things, little things. There's things with our family. There's things in junior high. There's things in, you know, maybe in our marriage. Things that we've experienced in the past that have a traumatic effect on us and really do impact how we live today. And so what do we do with those things? How do we reconcile those things? How do we move forward? How do I move forward as a, as a guy and not be freaked out every time I see blackbirds on a, on, a, on a wire? 
Well, we're going to take a look in the book of Isaiah this, this evening, and we're going to get a glimpse of what Isaiah has to say about this, because uh, I think he has a great verse here in Isaiah that, um, that really helps shed some light on this topic. Um, but before we read the passage, what I'd like to do is I'd like to set the stage. You guys familiar with the book of Isaiah? Yeah? All right. Book of Isaiah. Boy, some tough times for the people there. It was a traumatic time for what happened to the children of Israel during this time. In fact, the opening book of Isaiah, the opening chapter says this. Hear, O heavens, and this is verse 2. Hear, O heavens, listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared up children, brought them up, and they have rebelled against me. They have rebelled against me. They have turned their backs on me in verse 4. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why should you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured. Your whole heart is afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness, only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with oil. And then he sums it up again in in chapter 42. I mean, we can go through all the details, but basically the children of Israel were, were, were constantly wayward. And, and going away from the Lord, and the Lord was using all kinds of tactics to bring their hearts back to him. And all they were doing is creating mayhem and confusion, and there was hurt, and there was destruction. And as that first says, there's lots of wounds that were going on. So these people were in the midst of a really painful time frame in their life. He says in chapter 42, he says, Who handed Jacob over to become loot, and Israel to the plunderers? Was it not the Lord? against whom we've sinned, for they would not follow his ways, they did not obey his laws, and he poured out on them his burning anger, the violence of war, to envelop them in flames, yet they did not understand, understand and it consumed, consumed them, but they did not take it to heart. So here's a people that are struggling immensely, who are, they're, they're broken in so many different ways. And they're, they're hurting in so many different ways. Their families are hurting. They have no jobs. They, you know, they're, they're rebelling. And in the midst of this is where we're going to step in and look at a verse that God shares with these people, okay? And I think as we unpack it a little bit and as we look at it, I think it'll have something to speak to us tonight, okay? So what I want us to do is I want us to look at Isaiah 43. Skip over to 43, And verse 14, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down fugitives, all the Babylonians and the ships which they took, pride, because I am the Lord your God, your Holy One, your Creator, your King. And this is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick, speaking of the Egyptians. And this is what I want you to do, people, the children of Israel. Here it is. Forget not, do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? 
I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So this is the passage, this is the section of scripture that Isaiah, that when I read this, it just jumped out of the page at me. In the midst of this horrendous, horrendous time frame in their life, he says something like this. He says, don't call to mind the former things. And so we're going to take a look at this, and I think there's three things that we can find from this passage that really speak to me today. And the first thing that we find, and I'm going to break it down for us tonight, is let go of the past. Now, I'm going to talk about this a little bit. Because those of us that are counselors, those of us who deal with people in those counseling environments, which my wife and I do with Matters of the Heart and individual counseling through Christian Counseling Associates, to just say, let go of the past, sounds kind of trite. Sounds kind of easy, sounds kind of superficial. Okay? But I think what Isaiah is saying here is, what he wants us to do and what, he wants, wants, what God wants us to do is not to allow those past things to influence our, for, our, our current things and our future things. And he wants us somehow, some way to release the past, to not look back at the past, to not get stuck in the past. He wants us somehow to process through everything that we go through so that we can live a forward life. Would you agree? Okay. But the trouble is, we counselors say you've got to go back into the past. I'm a walker, and there's a lot of things around here <laughs> that I could trip over. There's a lot of things in the past that, that, we, th- that we need to go back and, and, and work through Uh, And some people in the Christian community would say, no, just forget all those things in the past. As Paul says, what did Paul say in the New Testament? Forgetting what lies behind me, pressing forward to what lies ahead. Okay, So, so I think there's some truth in the fact that we can't be stuck in the past. But we've got to process the past. We've got to look at the former things. That passage says the former things, the things of the past. We've got to look at some of those things that we went through, some of the events that we've gone through, some of the traumatic experiences that we've had as a child and maybe in our adult life. You know, some of us have grown up in alcoholic homes. Some of us have grown up in broken homes. We've had things going on in our marriage, in our job, and with other people. We've had major betrayals. I mean, we all have a history, right? We all have a past. We all have a past that, you know, we've gone through up to this point. What do we do with it? And I think God's saying we've got to let go of it. We've got to let go of these former things. We can't keep camping on them. We can't keep dwelling on them. That's what that verb says, do not call to mind. We can't keep calling them to mind and and working through them in our mind and, and pondering them. That's not what God wants for us. That's not the best for us going forward. He wants us to be able to let those things go, to let them go, to let, you know, the memories that we have, to let the, the, as I call them, paradigms. You know what a paradigm is? A paradigm is a way of thinking about the past. Sometimes we go through things as a child. The Bible says, when I was a child, I 
talk like a child, thought like a child, reason like a child. And I think that what happens to us is we get stuck in childlike paradigms in the past. And those influence us in a negative way. And we need to let those former things go. We need to be able to process through those former things so that they don't keep us stuck and they keep us dragging us down. And then there's narratives. I call them narratives or the way we think or the beliefs we have. I oftentimes talk to, to, to people about this. I have men in my office and we talk about some of the events that happened in the past and how there's certain beliefs that are wrapped around those events. Ever had one of those? I'm not good enough. I can't do it right. Nobody loves me. I mean, it is amazing if you get down to some of the memories that you might have, how many kind of all-encompassing beliefs that you have about those former things. And so God is saying, we got to get... we, we, we don't want you, I don't want you calling those things to mind. I don't want those things to, to be constantly on your mind and you're pondering them and influencing you. This week, I was standing at a Subway uh, store, and here in front of me was a, uh, was a young mom with two kids. And as I watched them interact with the, uh, with the person behind the counter... The little boy kept saying, no, I want this. No, no, I don't want that. I want this. No, no, I don't want that. I want this on my sandwich. And you could just see the mom already stressed out, feeling a little embarrassed, finally looks over the counter and says something like, well, he can never make up his mind. He can never make up his mind. He's always indecisive. And you could just see that little boy's face kind of droop a little bit. And I wonder how many times he got told that by his mom. So every time he wants to make a decision in life later on, he's stuck with the fact that mom says I'm indecisive and I can't make up my mind. That's stuff in the past that God wants us to let go of. He wants us to to process and break the hold that it has on our life. if, If we can't break the hold, it'll come up and we'll ponder them, we'll think, well, why did that happen? You ever have people that ponder and ask the question, why? Why this? Why, why did this happen to me? I hear that all the time. Why did my husband have three affairs? Why? Why did he do that? Why did my mom die when she had to die? Why did this happen? Why did I do the things that I did back there? Why did I get wrapped up in that addiction and ruin my family? Why? Why? And you know what I find underneath the why? The why is really a cover or a smoke screen for pain. And if we keep asking the why, what we're trying to do is we're trying to resolve the past in our head. And the Bible says here, don't call to mind. Don't do it in your head. The past is not to be resolved in the head. The past is resolved in the heart. We've got to resolve the past in the heart. Then we can let it go. We can let go of the past. And I'm going to say this is an ongoing process, guys. This is not a one-time process. This is a, a constant occurrence that we've got to do. And especially when I think of it in context of uh, Isaiah and the Israelites and all they went through in their history up to this point, God's saying, you know, don't call to mind the former things and the past things. You've got to let them go. Well, there's a lot to let go. So how do we let go of them? 
How do we let go of the past? Well, I believe we let go of the past in a, in a way that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different kind of points to how we process through and actually grieve and let go and, and actually can, can let, see, we can't let go of something that we don't even have a hold of. We don't even know is there. So we've got to really know that something's there and then we've got to let go of it. And I think where we find a form, kind of a formula for how to let go of the past is found in Genesis. Back when Adam and Eve took from the fruit, they took from the fruit, and what did they do after they took from the fruit and realized they were naked? They hid. And they sewed fig leaves. And then God called them out and said, where are you? Where are you? I need to talk to you. Come on out. Come out, behind, come out from hiding. That's the first thing we got to do. We got to come out from hiding, guys. A lot of us take what happened in the past, we just want to stuff it away and hide it away, don't we? It's too traumatic. It's too difficult. And I, don't wanna, I, I just want to hide. And what we end up doing is we hide certain parts of our heart way away, and it kind of gets smelly and rotten in there. And it's kind of like the refrigerator when you stuff the cheese in the back of the refrigerator, you know, and you leave it back there. You open the refrigerator, everybody else can smell it. And there's a lot of things in our lives that everybody else can smell that we haven't dealt with. And that's stuff, that's, that's, we got to come out of hiding. We got to be willing to come out of denial and say there are some things in the past that I got to deal with. And then the second thing in that Genesis passage is the fig leaves. I think this is classic. The fig leaves. The coping behaviors, the mechanisms that we do to, to, to actually cover up some of the pain in our life, some of the difficulty in their life. Oh, we got all kinds. Look at all, how many addictions we have nowadays in, in, in society. We have workaholism, alcoholism, uh, you know. There's all kinds of isms. <laughs> I can't think of the rest of them. <laughs> but there's addiction to prescription drugs, there's pornography, there's all kinds of things that we get wrapped up and we get into all these things to cover up and to put on a good front to say, oh, nothing's wrong. I'm okay. Nothing's wrong. And Genesis, and God in Genesis says when there's a breakdown and when sin has happened, whether you're the one that has caused the sin or whether the sin's been done to you, there's lots of shame associated with that. And we struggle with shame from the past. And that shame, we want to hide, we want to cover up, and we want to say everything's okay, there's no problem, and God says, no, I want you to come out from hiding, I want you to put down the fig leaves, and I need to talk to you, we need to talk, we need to confess, we need to open up and confess. That's what that whole passage in Genesis was about, I really believe, Adam and Eve really needed to open their heart up and go through all the blame game and all the different things they went through there and finally said, yeah, we did it. We blew it. We are the ones that did it. And we went and hid and we covered up. And God, full of grace, full of love, full of mercy, said, that's okay. That's what it's about. That's how we process things. And some of us didn't get that chance when we were growing up. And so we get stuck because we didn't really have a place or a way to process properly. I'm telling you, you got kids? That is a model description of how to deal with kids back there. 
when they do something wrong. Where are you? Come out. Let's talk about that. Let's open it up. Talk to me about it. Let them go through all their gyrations of blaming, you know, the teacher because the teacher's mean and that's why I don't do my homework. No, keep going. Just keep and then you grace them. That's what God does. He forgives. When, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us. And then we can let go of it. And then in Genesis, there are consequences, right? Genesis talks about the consequences that everybody experienced back there. The woman, the pain, the man, the toil, and the weeds. And there are consequences. So you've got to accept the consequences. But that's the only way we're going to let go of the past is if we properly deal with the past. We don't go into denial. We don't, we don't you know, cover it up, act like nothing ever happened. And, and the best way to look at what's going on in the past is to look today. What behaviors in my life are really causing me problems today with my wife and my job, for me personally? What, what, what's going on today? And we look at that and we trace it back to the past. It, it, a lot of times it has a link to something in the past that hasn't been resolved, that hasn't been dealt with, that hasn't properly been grieved and healed and confessed and brought into the light and received grace. And if that happens, it remains kind of a stuck place and it drags us down. Not too long ago, I jumped in my uh, son's truck with my wife and my daughter. And in the truck, I turned it on, and all of a sudden, every bell and whistle went off in the truck. You know, the beep, 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 real loud and everything else. And it startled me. It wasn't a normal, you know, bing, bing, bing. It was a big everything, all the bells and whistles. And I'm, I'm looking at them. I'm going, what is it? Check your seatbelt. No, your seatbelt. What, what is it? Is it the lights are on? No, is the door open? No, you, you know, I'm, I'm surveying everything. What is this? What's going on? Why is this noise? And then after a few minutes of us scrambling around, everybody looking at each other, I realized that the emergency brake was on. So I released it, calmed everything down. Well, for you and I, there's a lot of bells and whistles going off. Our wife is telling us there's bells and whistles going off. Our kids are telling us. There's a lot of bells and whistles going off. And we're dragging, we're dragging some old past with us. We're kind of stuck, got the emergency brake on slightly. I mean, I was still moving. But I wasn't moving too good. And God wants to release that break, doesn't he? He wants us to let go of that past and release that break. You know, a number of years ago, I found out a very interesting, my dad came to me, and I think I may have shared this before with some of you, but a number of years ago, my mom died, and soon after my mom died, my dad said, I got something I got to tell you. I go, great, you know, it's one of those. I got something I got to tell you. And you know it's not good. So he says, Alan, before your aunt tells you this, I need to tell you this. That your mom has a daughter that she bore before we got married. And she gave up for adoption. And I was blown away. And he said, yeah, and I think she's trying to reach out and connect with you. And I was blown away. I mean, for days, I thought about that situation with my mom. My mom struggled with alcoholism 
My mom struggled with depression. My mom struggled with smoking. My mom really was not a happy woman. And after my dad told me that, and after I started thinking about that, I go, well, no wonder she wasn't a happy person. She carried around a secret for so long. In fact, my dad said that she told him never to tell the kids, never to tell the kids what this was about. I wonder what my life would have been like. I wonder what my mom's life would have been like if she would have actually come forward and she had a place to deal with that pain in her past and that past memory and that event and she'd have been able to let it go and confess it and receive God's grace. What kind of different woman would she have been? What kind of different mother might she have been? I don't know. But I can tell you this, that letting go of the past, I really believe that's what God ideally wants us to do. But he doesn't want us to do it just flippantly, just act like it didn't didn't happen, but actually work through it. So that's the first point. Some of you need to let go of the past. Some of you have stuff that you're not dealing with that are, that's rising up, that's causing problems. And that section of Isaiah is for you. Second point this, this evening, look for what he is doing. This is the passage here. It says, see, I'm doing a new thing. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? He's doing something. In the midst of your life and my life, do you know he's doing something right now? If we, can, if we can continually deal with past things and quit looking back there and quit dwelling back on the past and we can actually process through, and guess what we can do? We can be wide open. We have space in our life for new things. We have, some, we have space in our life for what he's doing right now. He's doing something right now in your life. You may not know it, but I have a lot of confidence he is. Okay? I have a lot of confidence that he's doing something in in your life. It's kind of like, you ever done a garden? I was thinking about this. You ever do a garden? Nowadays, the way we do gardens is kind of funny. We buy full-grown plants and plant them in there and, you know. But the way a garden really works is you put seeds in it, right? And you bury the seeds. And for days, you don't see anything going on, right? You wonder, what the heck? What the, you know, every day you go out there and you're looking, no, no, but something's going on, isn't it? Something's going on underneath the ground. Something's going on. Something's going on in your marriage right now. It may be at the lowest point that it's ever been, but something's going on. And if you'll keep seeking him, he will, he will bring it to pass, but he, he's still doing something. He's doing something in your life, in your job, in your occupation. You're going through some physical problems. He's doing something in the midst of all that. He's not only doing something, I call it, I like this because the fact that, you know, some people think that that God set the world in motion and then he sits back. All right, when you guys are finished, let me know. Right? You ever ever talk to somebody like that? When it's finished, let me know. Too many people. Too many things going on. He can't keep track of it all. Uh-uh. I don't believe that one iota. He's intimately involved. There's too many passages talk about him intimately involved, and he's doing something. And he's working in the hearts and lives of people. He's working in your heart. He's working in my heart. And he's doing something. 
But you know what else he's doing? He's doing a new thing. I love this. According to this passage, he's doing a new thing. You see, God is the God of newness. How many snowflakes are the same? How many, how many springs are the same as the spring before? How many winters are the same as the winter before? Everything's new. Our God is a creative God. And he do, does new things. He sprouts new growth. And he's sprouting new growth in your life and in my life. And, and, and that's what he's about, you know? When I'm sitting in traffic, and I've been kind of studying this passage for a couple weeks now and just kind of mulling it over. When I'm sitting in traffic and I'm starting to get frustrated and I'm starting to, about ready to lay on the horn or something for that guy in front of me, I realize, nope, God, you're using this to do a new thing in my life. You're doing something new in my life. You're doing something new, and I'll take it. I want something new. So we have to realize that God is doing something. He's doing something new. He's got new sprouts. Now, let me just say, before we go on any farther here, that in this passage, it specifically refers this new thing, laying aside the old thing and the new thing, is really a reference to Jesus, okay? That's what Isaiah's primary reference was in saying there's a new thing coming down the pike. And it's going to be new because it's my servant whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, and counsel, and it's a shoot from the stem of Jesse, and he will not cry out, raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, a a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring justice, and he will be he will not be disheartened or crushed until he established justice in the earth. So Isaiah is saying there's something new coming down the pot. It's a suffering servant. It's someone who's going to take away the sins of the people. And that's what he's referring to. But I see this passage. I see this little section of scripture right here. Not only speaking of Jesus, but it's got a broader application, a broader principle. That he's doing something new in our lives. And he's doing something new. You know... We've had a number of wildfires in, in California. And I don't know if you've ever gone to a place after the fire has swept through. But it's kind of fascinating. Because all you see as you're driving up, all you're seeing is black. And everything looks dead. And everything looks destroyed. Which it is. But you know, if you get out of the car and you actually look down at the ground, what do you see? You see new sprouts coming up. Things that couldn't happen unless this fire, I'm told, went through this area. And it creates new growth, new plants, new things that are going on. So, so God's doing something new, and we need to look for what he's doing new. And you know what we have to do? We have to look today. He says, see, I'm doing a new thing. See, right today. Another translation says, behold, I'm doing something new right now. So today, in anticipation, we've got to be looking in our lives. What would it be like if you were able to look at your son or daughter with this in mind? And you were able to say, you know what? You frustrate the heck out of me. You leave your clothes all over the place. You don't clean up after yourself. You, you, you talk back to me. And we're good at that. 
But what about seeing something new, looking for what he's doing, God's doing in their life? What about finding something new in their life that he's doing? Think if you did that with your son or daughter. Think if you did that with your wife. Think if you really had the eyes and you looked. You looked with spiritual eyes, because I think that's what's implied here too. As the Bible says, don't look at the things which are seen, but look at the things which are unseen. So we've got to look beyond, behind, as I call it, behind the curtain and see what's going on in this world. And we have to look for these new things and saying, wow, Lord, you're doing some new things here and you're doing some new things in my life and in my marriage and in my family and in my job, you're doing new things. And that's tough. About four years ago, I lost a job that... I really liked. And it was pretty devastating. And I've talked to a number of men and women who have had the same thing happen to them. And it has taken a long time to really kind of let that go. But to now be in a position where I'm, it hasn't changed, but I'm looking. I'm looking for something new. I'm looking out in expectation. I'm looking with spiritual eyes for for what he is doing. I'm not looking at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen to see what God is going to do. I don't know at this point. But I think it's important that we look for what he is doing. It's springing up. And this last part of here, do not perceive it. That's a challenge for us. Do you not perceive it? It's happening. It's going on. But you're not perceiving it. How come you're not perceiving it, Alan? What's going on, Alan? How come you're not, how come you're not looking? Because I'm not, at times I'm not looking with my heart. I think that's what perception is all about, isn't it? The Bible says you have ears to hear, but you don't hear because you've got to hear with your heart and understand with your heart. And I think that's what perception is all about. We've got to look behind the lines and we have to take everything in and we have to look at at life and what God's doing in a way that is beyond this world. You know, back in in, uh, Genesis, you're familiar with Jacob. And Jacob had a horrendous life. All the things that went wrong in his life from being put in jail to dropped in a pit to be put in jail. Anyway... He ended up rising up to second in power in Egypt, right? And when Joseph and all the family came to Egypt, in Genesis 50, 19, he says this to his whole family as they're gathered around. He says, don't be afraid. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about the present result to preserve many people alive. You meant what you did in my life for evil, but God meant it for good. That's perception. That's being able to see with our eyes, to be, I mean, see with our heart and look for what he is doing in our life. So some of you here tonight actually need to get out of the past and quit kind of regurgitating the past and work through it, but you need to look for what God is doing new in, in and amongst your family, in amongst everybody, the situations in your life. Maybe you're struggling with a health, health issue, What's he going to use that with, for? What, what's new in that, in that situation? You're going through something. I, I just heard of a family that, that somebody told me about. The, man, the gentleman just found out he had brain cancer. The husband had brain cancer. 
And that was only a few months ago. But the person telling me the story said, you know what? That brain cancer and watching that couple go through this situation has been a testimony that has moved me to tears. Because they've taken this bad situation and they've looked at it through eyes for what God is doing in the, in the midst of it, in the midst of a difficult situation. So we've got to look for what, what he's doing. The last thing that we want to do this evening in this passage in Isaiah is learn to walk with him. Okay? When we let go of the past, we look for new things, we learn to walk with God in a new way. He will make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. How does that sound? Huh? Okay. I kind of like that. He'll make a way in the wilderness. How many of you feel like you're in the wilderness? <laughs> you know what? I believe life is a wilderness. I believe our real life, everyday life is a wilderness. We're not home yet, guys. We're still wandering. That's why the Old Testament had the children of Israel wander around for 40 years as a picture of what life is going to be like. We're going to be in the wilderness. Sometimes the wilderness gets a little bit more lonely and a little bit more desolate than other times. But I believe that we are in the wilderness most of the time and we have no idea which way to go. I've been out backpacking before and I've wandered into areas where I don't know which way to go. And that's a horrible feeling. And I, I, I sometimes walk into things in my life right now and I don't know which way to go. I don't know how to handle things. I don't know how to, where's the door that I need to go through? Where's the window that I can crawl through? Lord, I just need something. I'm tired of being stuck here. And, I, and it's a wilderness and it's, and it's desolate and it's lonely. And I'm struggling to find my way through. And you know, in Isaiah, they struggled with it too. And in fact, it says that back in Isaiah, one of the indictments against the children of Israel and the people back then was, Woe to you, for you go down to Egypt for help. You rely on horses, trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, and do not look to the Holy One of Egypt Israel or seek help from the Lord. That's the problem that the Israelites had over and over and over again is that when they were in the wilderness and things got difficult, they went to Egypt. They went to their neighboring nations to try to get help, to find a way through this difficult to, so that they could you know, get food and, and survive. And God was saying, no. You got it all wrong. Don't go to these other things. Don't go to these, these other idols, these other nations. And you and I have the same challenge that when we're in the wilderness and we can't find our way out, we were really, if, if it takes too long, we're going to find our own way, aren't we? We're going we're gonna to try to find some way. We're just like that. We're no different. We'll try to find some way to relieve the pain and relieve the, the difficulty of standing in the wilderness, right? Bring me something. Bring me something. I'll, I'll figure out a way to solve this. But God says, no, I want you to wait for me because I'm going to make a roadway in the wilderness 
I'm going to make a way out of this situation. You know, I was thinking about this. Right now, in my life, in my wife's life, we are uh, struggling with some family members. Her mom just died about three months ago. We had to go through that. We had a wedding. We have another wedding coming up, and it looks like her dad's going to die. So talk about a time for us. And the thing I'm thinking of most in the last couple of days is the process, and I was talking to somebody about this today, her dad and what her dad's going through. Her dad's in the last stages of dementia, and we're on the phone, he lives back east, and we're on the phone, and we're trying to figure out what to do, how to handle him. How to, he's in those last stages, they took a food test and he can't swallow anymore. He's got infections. He's got pneumonia. We're trying to figure out about feeding tubes. We, are look, we stayed up dialoguing about it. We Googled. <laughs> you know, isn't that funny? That's, I think that's one of the idols kind of we go to sometimes now. You know, the things we depend on. You know, sometimes I'm not going to go to the Lord. I'm going to go Google. Because Google will answer everything, right? That'll be my answer. But we were doing it. And we were shooting it back and forth, back east to her sister and husband and trying to figure out how do we make these decisions? These are life-wrenching decisions. And you know, today, this morning, after doing all this and getting all hectic and giving our opinions and all this, in my heart, I just knew. I said, Lord, you're going to make a way. You're going to make this clear. You're going to see us through this thing. We're not through it yet, tonight. We're definitely not through it. But I really believe that God is going to make a way through this difficult situation. And I've seen him do it over and over and again in my life. And me of little faith, I forget that. And I move on and I try to do... I've seen him do things with married couples. He's made a way. I've been in... We have three-day intensives we do with couples. And sometimes I've been in there for two straight days, Terry and I, working with this couple. And we say, there's no way. There's no way. This is broken beyond repair. They go home. We go home discouraged. We come back the next day, and God has made a way. God has done something overnight that is just beyond. All you can say is, that's a God thing. And I love it when I can say it's a God thing, don't you? I love it when I can say, yeah, that road, that's a road that wasn't there before. And you put it there, God. Thank you. Bless you. Praise you for putting it there. Thank you for that. So he's going to make a way in the wilderness, but the last section here is what I love the most. Rivers in the desert. Think about that. Ever been by a nice, pristine river? The kind of river that you can actually dip your cup in and just drink right from? It's probably you can't do that too much anymore. <laughs> But I picture that in my mind, and I've had places where it's been close to that, and I've just wanted that, that sweet feeling of just dipping into fresh, pure water. But that doesn't even come close to the rivers he's talking about here. The rivers that he's talking about, Jesus said, I'm going to become a what inside of you? A well that springs up. A well that springs up. And overflows. John seven thirty eight. Whoever believes in me, 
As the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Rivers of living water will flow from within. That's the kind of water I want to drink, don't you? But we got to wait sometimes. Don't go out and get your own, quench your own thirst. We're a society of people who go out and quench their own thirst. We find multiple ways to get rid of the anxiety, to deal with the depression, to deal with the fears that we have and all the things that we do. We find other things. And Jeremiah, you know what Jeremiah says? You go out and you make these wells. You build your own wells and these wells are filled with polluted water. And so we as a people are oftentimes reaching for polluted water. And this passage is a reminder to us that he has rivers in the desert. When it's a desert situation, he wants to provide the water for us. He wants to spring up within us. And he wants to quench our thirst like nobody else can quench your thirst. So Isaiah says this in Isaiah 43 verse 18 and 19. Can you go back to the first slide? He says this. Don't call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. In other words, don't get stuck in the past. Okay, you gotta work through the past. There's been a lot of pain in the past. The Israelites had a lot of pain. You and I have a lot of pain. And if we're not careful, we'll get stuck there. We'll get stuck by things we know and sometimes things we don't know. But don't call to mind. Don't ponder those things. Behold, I'm doing something new. Now, today, it's springing forth. Are you aware of it? Do you perceive it? I will make a roadway in the wilderness for you and rivers in the desert. How beautiful is that? How much has that over the past few weeks touched my heart? How much has that come to mind in certain situations in life over and over again and God has used it to remind me, Alan, let go, let go, let go of the past, process through it, talk to somebody about it, but let it go, don't keep calling it to mind and keep looking every day around the corner. I'm a fisherman and one of the things I like about fishing is I could spend all day on a river because I think around the next rock is going to be that big fish. I anticipate it, and it keeps me going. And sometimes I say, Lord, I'm not like that with you, am I? I need to be more like that with you. I need to look every step of my day and say, you're going to do something new. There's going to be something different and new and profound, and it's going to blow my mind, and then I'm going to learn how to really depend on you for the wilderness and the desert that you're going to help me find a way and provide the rivers that I need. That's what he has to say to us tonight. What do you think? Good word, huh? All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for just the reality of your word and how how real it is and how much it applies and how it speaks to, the, to me and I think it speaks to most of us here. Help us to keep these passages like this in mind when we're discouraged, when we're down, when we see no hope and when we keep looking back in the past and we're not looking forward to the future and we're not looking to fixing our eyes on Jesus as Hebrews tells us. 
And when we do that, Lord, we'll see the stream that you're providing. We'll find the pathway that you are giving to us in that situation. And you will break us free and help us to live in freedom of new life with you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.